I'm Diane. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I'm here to share my experience, strength, and hope. Well, I certainly have a lot of experience as a compulsive overeater. Um, and I think I'll, I think our stories are all remarkably similar in that regard. Um, I started my career as a compulsive overeater, I think when I was about 10 years old. And then um, the next 20 years approximately were spent um, dieting and then gaining the weight right back each time more than I had lost the time before that. So um, basically I followed a steadily progressive uphill journey with my weight. Um, until by the time I was, um, and, and it was never totally out of control. I mean, my weight with, I was maybe 20 to 30 pounds overweight at the worst. I'm tall. Um, and eventually though, I managed to keep my weight down for my <laughs> weight, um, by binging and then starving. Um, but the year after my wedding, um, when I was 28 years old, um, I managed to gain, um, about. 30, 35 pounds. And I looked at myself and I said, you know, I've tried every diet known to man. I've achieved, I always had an excuse for eating. I was unhappy that I didn't have someone to love, that I hadn't accomplished what I wanted to accomplish in terms of my career. And then a year after my wedding, I said, okay, I'm happy in my marriage. I've achieved what I wanted. I'm on the road to getting where I want to go with my career. And it looks like I'm going to get there. Um, I've got, you know, everything that I, that I always dreamed that I wanted. I was on the path to getting, and I was happy and I was still eating. And interestingly, my father um, is the one who suggested Overeaters Anonymous to me, I had never even thought about it. And we certainly were not a family that talked about feelings. I would say that um, there was no discussion of emotion at all in my family growing up. And, you know, you were meant to be pleasant and positive at all times. So that my dad would bring that up was surprising to me. Even now I think about it. And he had um, a number of years earlier started a business with a bunch of uh, other individuals. And a number of them were um, in AA. And so he knew about 12-step programs from that. So he suggested that I consider going to OA, and I did. And um, I learned a lot in the approximately 18 months that I spent in OA. I can't recall now, because it's over 30 years ago, whether I worked the steps. I don't think I probably did. I treated it like a diet club. And um, I lost my weight and I was happy about that. And, and then because I was young and full of myself, I thought, well, you know, I don't get these people that, that have all these other compulsions and that, you know, all I have is a little problem with food and, you know, it seems to be under control. So, you know, I've got it wired here, adios. So fast forward about four years and I had gained a hundred pounds. Um, and, um, obviously that wasn't good. <laughs> um, so I started, you know, I did not go back to OA at that time. And that began a period of about, I'd say 25 years of progressively more and more restrictive dieting. Mm -hmm. And all this time I felt 
content in my marriage. I had achieved professionally what I wanted to. I had two children um, and, you know, all the stuff that I thought I wanted in my life I had, um, but I couldn't stop eating. And eventually the diet stopped working for me. Um, I went on two supervised fasts and lost approximately a hundred pounds each time. I remember when my daughter was in preschool, um, one of the conversations that the children were having was, what does my mommy eat? What does my mommy eat? And my daughter said, well, my mommy doesn't eat. She just drinks. And I thought, oh, good. <laughs> that, that looks good, doesn't it? You know? So, you know, it became this, this sort of cereal dieting and, and, and really restrictive stuff. Although I have to say something for me, the supervised fasting, once I got over the first two weeks of feeling like I was crawling out of my skin, um, was actually easier for me than dealing with the food because it was so narrow and so circumscribed. This was all I could eat. And it, it was got to be the point it was easy. Now I also had a, my hair fell out. You know, it was, it was not a, it was not a good thing. It's a very unhealthy thing to do. Um, eventually I just gave up. Um, and by the time I gave up, by the end of that period of time, I weighed, um, 295 pounds. So I thought, okay, I can't go on like this. I mean, everything hurt, you know, I could barely walk. It was, it was just hard to work. I worked with little children, so I had to crawl around on the floor. It was very difficult. Um, so I said, and my, everyone, my doctor kept encouraging me to have bariatric surgery. So I decided that I was going, and for some reason, OA just was completely not in my brain. Um, I had a lap band placed because I didn't want to commit to a lifetime of altering my intestinal tract. Um, and I lost 70 pounds. And then something weird happened. This is when I, I finally admitted to myself that I was a compulsive overeater. Before that, even at 295 pounds, I thought, I just have a little problem with food. You know, everything else about me is wonderful. I just have a little problem with food. But with the, with the lap band, you're not, you cannot eat a great, you have to eat tiny volumes of food. And I, that was driving me crazy. So I started overeating and I started throwing up. And I've never had a problem with purging before. I don't like to throw up. It's deeply distressing to me. Um, as a matter of fact, the first time I saw my husband throw up, I thought he was going to die. And I, I'd never, you know, I was like panicked by it, right? Because I just don't throw up. So I vomited my way to a hiatal hernia and had gastric acid refluxing into my throat at night when I slept. And I said, girl, you have a problem. This is serious. If you are deliberately doing something that is so obviously self-destructive, you have a huge problem. And the lap band isn't gonna fix that. So I said, well, I'll go back to OA. So I came back into the rooms about six years ago and I sat for two months, didn't really say anything. And then I said, okay, I'm gonna commit to this. And so I had the lap band removed and I decided to stick around. So since then, um, my weight loss is not what I want it to be. I've maintained about a 50 pound weight loss, which is good, but I still have a lot left to go. Um, 
I've worked the steps three times. I've, you know, I use the tools. Um, but what I found is, and reading this reading today is I have not yet been willing to believe that, that refraining from compulsive overeating and practicing moderations at my meals, that I will destroy my chance of finding health, happiness, self-understanding, and peace of mind. I'm a very slow learner. Despite all of the drama around my weight and the destructive things that my weight has done to my health, um, I, I still really haven't fully bought into that. And that's what I think I'm struggling with right now. Um, the hope that I have found in this program, the beauty that I have found in this program, there's so many wonderful things that I found by being here. I have found that um, a fellowship of people who can understand me um, and the way I operate uh, with food, especially, um, but also emotionally, um, there's there's a, an honesty that I can practice in these rooms that I do not that I do not have with other relationships, except perhaps with my husband. Um, not long ago, I was driving to um, my mother is 98 years old and she lives about 70 miles from me uh, with with caregivers and in her own home, but with caregivers and I have to spend a lot of time out there, kind of um, running her household and and helping her. And I was driving out there for the fourth time in five days and feeling pretty resentful. And like, I really didn't want to do this um, because the, the trip, this, the reason for the trip could have been avoided, but it wasn't. And so I had to go deal with it. And I was so angry that I was really worried that something awful was going to come out of my mouth, that my resentments would spill out over onto her. And, you know, it really doesn't feel very good to be nasty to a 98 year old person. You know, it feels pretty shitty to tell you the truth and, you know, and, and just bad, you know, afterwards this, the guilt is just phenomenal. And so I started calling fellows and on the one hour drive out there, I managed to talk for about 45 minutes of it with, with fellows. And, you know, by the time I got there, I was able to conduct myself with grace. I was able to be kind. I was able to be loving and believe me, that's not me. That comes from the strength of my fellows um, and their wisdom. So that's something that, you know, that that is a gift that that it just, there's no, it is the most wonderful thing. Um, and each other, the love that we have for each other and the support that we give for each other, I think is one of the greatest gifts of these programs. You know, uh, in commercial weight loss programs that I've been in, where it was all about the food, you know, there was some camaraderie in the meetings. If you stick around long enough, you know, you know, people, and you know, superficially, and there's like, ha here we are, you know, and everyone's pleasant. This is a depth. Uh, what we have here in these rooms is a depth of fellowship that doesn't exist, I don't think, anywhere else, and a true honesty. And, and to be in the company of people, all of whom have the same goal, and that is not just to manage our weight, but to be the best person that we can possibly be in all areas of our lives. Um, I think that's a, that's something I've never found in any church that I've gone to, um, or in any other group that I've belonged to. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, so the fellowship of this program, 
has been an amazingly powerful tool for me in helping me to manage the feelings that I have that that often lead me to compulsively overeat. Um, one of the things that I struggle with is the notion of a higher power. And it's something that um, I think, well, it's taken me years to learn to depend upon my fellows for help. The notion of depending upon a higher power for help in, in my life and in my food is something that I'm very slow in coming to. Um, you know, I'm not used to being a slow learner. <laughs> you know, that this is this is really hard for me. You know, because there's a there's a, a certain amount of of embarrassment that goes along with this, and I and I feel like I should have it wired by now, that I should have this close relationship with my higher power, this this ability to call upon my higher power and depend upon my higher power to lend me support when I need it. Um, and I'm still working very hard on developing that. Um, prayer, prayer comes easily and all of the prayers um, that, we, that we use in the OA program are, are beautiful prayers and they really speak to who I want to be as a person. But coming to depend upon a higher power I know that's one of the gifts of this program and I just keep working the steps and using the tools and having faith that that will happen if I do, if I do my share. Um, so for me, the hope that I have in this, the strength that I've found in this program has come from all of you, from being part of a loving, committed fellowship of people who are scrupulously honest in all their affairs and who own their baloney and um, take responsibility for themselves in terms of their relationships with others. Um, I cherish that. That's the strength that I've found in this program. And the tools have given me strength, I think, um, as a way of uh, managing my life. And the hope that I have is that if I just keep coming back if I use the tools, if I work the steps, that a relationship with my higher power will evolve and that I can, um, and that that will help me. Um, you know, as they say, as I trudge the road to happy destiny. This reading that we did about a commitment to abstinence being the most important thing in my life without exception. Um, you know, I have seen this before, but boy, it's really speaking to me today. Um, and I feel like I need to write this on the walls of every single room in my house um, because it's really true. Um, when I'm abstinent, everything's better. I'm calmer. I don't feel the sense of shame that I feel. I don't know how many of you feel this, but whenever I, I mess with my food, the shame is like as if I've done something horrible. I mean, something really... It just, it's really eats it. Well, it eats at me, sorry, you know, but it really um, is a it's, a, it's huge and it's not worth it. It's not worth it. There's nothing that I can put in my mouth that's worth feeling like that over. It's just not, you know? Um, and I was, you know, one of the things that I've had to learn um, since coming back to program five or six years ago is that um, 
Well, two things. One, that you have to eat. You know, I can't go on another supervised fast. I won't do that to myself. So I have to eat. And two, that I'm not Oprah Winfrey. I'm not going to have a personal chef come in to cook all my meals for me. I would love that, but that's not my reality. You know, that I have to deal with the food. You know, I have to have it in my house. I have to cook it. I have to, you know, do that. And so- um, Four minutes, Diane. Thank you. So I have to use all the tools so that I can, um, so that I can engage with the food. <coughs> and there's a lot of um, that expression and that pamphlet, the dignity of choice comes into, comes into it there. So I have the opportunity to choose and there's great dignity in that. Now it may take me a village to choose something that's right, that's, that keeps me abstinent and that's healthy for me. But that's okay. If it takes a village for me to make the right choice, then that's what it takes. But in making those right choices, there is a lot of dignity in that. And I really appreciate that. So I'll close for now because I know you have a business meeting and that takes time. But I just want to say thank you all for the opportunity of being here today. It's been a long time since I've spoken at a meeting. I'm very glad to be here and wishing you all happy holidays.